Who here is good at finding things? If somebody needs something found, who in this group is a good person to call on? You usually find stuff. Show of hands, who's a good finder of things? Excellent. I got to remember that. I'm not very good at it. I was um, sitting with Vivian earlier this summer, and she had lost her wallet. And I said, okay, um, where were you last when you had it? Um, were you wearing those pants? Um, when do you remember last touching it? When you went to that place, did you have it with you? And after about 15 minutes, I said, you know what? We should get Dad. He, we're sitting here talking about looking. He just looks for stuff, and he finds it. And so we abandoned our cerebral exercise and uh, just started looking in places. Indeed, Michael is very good at finding things. He found a credit card. I guess I had been sitting on the, on the couch when I lost it, maybe ordering something online or something, and couldn't find it. And he found it in the, the, the black um, gauzy fabric that's underneath um, the furniture. was in there. And I have no idea how it got down there. Um, but he found it. And the next time we lost something, that's where he started. So if you come to our house, all of that fabric is hanging down in every upholstered piece because that's where he started looking the next time. Today's gospel lesson is about looking. And Jesus is telling two stories in response to the Pharisees' comment. They're grumbling about him eating with sinners and tax collectors. When we read the stories of Scripture, One way to approach them is to have some conversation with them, to notice what got left out. I see no question in here that prompted Jesus' telling of a parable. I see no reason for him to tell the parables he told. So I don't know if there was a question and it just didn't get recorded and put into the story, or if Jesus has a question that he wants them to be asking as he gives these two illustrations as an answer. Why? is Jesus asking, are eating and speaking with tax collectors and sinners. Why? Well, he tells two stories to answer that question. I want to start with the later one, the second one, about the woman who cleans the house in pursuit of the one lost coin. Using this illustration um, of this woman and her coin, it highlights the value of the sinner and the tax collector, that they are worthy of time, worthy of the attention of Jesus, and thus are worthy for all of us. It's interesting to me that it's a woman who is sweeping the house looking for her lost coin. I know from studying um, or becoming aware of women's issues that women are exponentially more likely to invest their money into the community than men are, a hugely significant portion. I remember learning this a decade ago when I was studying about women's entrepreneurship around the globe. I know that when we had um, uh, a friend of mine come who works for Morgan Stanley and does investing, she had a lot of data recently about the significant difference on gender issues in investment. And I know our global philanthropy leaders could probably um, also um, give evidence of this truth in the women that they help fund who are unbanked in, um, around the world. Machio Kaku, who wrote the book Physics of the Future, says in his book, if you want to know how human beings are going to act in the future, just look back to the past. Human nature has remained relatively constant, he says, for the last 100,000 years. 
So then when I read this story of this woman who's delighted that she found her coin, we can hear it as a, a celebration of what this means for the whole community. She calls her friends not because her bank account now is better, but because she has more to put into the whole community. That one coin that she had lost is now at their disposal for the sake of all. The other illustration that Jesus uses is that of a shepherd in pursuit of a sheep. Now, sheep analogies are not unfamiliar in scripture. In the Psalms, we hear the Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. So that idea of being sheep and him being the shepherd. Or Psalm 100, when it says, we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. So these analogies of sheep and shepherd are not unfamiliar, even as Jesus references them in this story. In John's gospel, which was written uh, several decades after Luke's, um, we hear Jesus talk about um, being the good shepherd and the sheep know his voice. That's in John chapter 10. And that he has sheep that are not of this fold and he will bring them also. That's the radicalness of God's message in Christ. Interestingly enough, that passage from John 10 is one of the recommended readings for a funeral. The sheep knows us and the sheep calls us by name and the sheep will pursue the shepherd will pursue us and call us by name and bring us back into the fold and that's what Jesus is making known to his listeners that he will go in pursuit of the one that is missing this idea of sheep and shepherd brings to our attention the universality of salvation and so i'm reminded even from our own prayer book of the reference of sheep and shepherd I don't know how many of you know, but the Episcopal Church has the Sacrament of Reconciliation. It's a private confession that people can make, and the priest hears it. And at the conclusion of that confession, the priest says, Now there is rejoicing in heaven, for you were lost and are found. Indeed, God pursues us and remembers our meekness, our humility. We hear this in the book of Ecclesiasticus, which is part of the um, Apocrypha, so it's not in every single Bible. But there's a reading from Ecclesiasticus that reminds us of this very truth. Hear these few verses. What is a human being? What purpose does he serve? What is good and what is bad for him? The length of his life, a hundred years at most. Like a drop of water from the sea or a grain of sand, such are these few years compared with eternity. This is why the Lord is patient with them and pours out his mercy on them. He sees and recognizes how wretched their end is and so makes his forgiveness greater. Human compassion extends to neighbors, but the Lord's compassion extends to everyone, rebuking, correcting, and teaching, bringing them back as a shepherd brings his flock. He has compassion on those who accept correction and who fervently search for his judgments. The radicalness of the universality of creation and the universality of salvation continues to be radical. Remembering Michio Kaku's point that human nature has remained relatively constant for the last 100,000 years brings to my attention the tribalism that is inherent in humanity. No matter how the tribes have changed, tribalism is still alive and well. We may not do it according to what we witnessed in past 
centuries, but we have the tribalism around politics, around gender, around race, around culture, around economics. We are always looking to decide who is in and who is out, and that's what Jesus has a problem with. And we sincerely um, have a problem with it too. We're not good at reflecting the universality of God's love, the acceptance of all people into the salvation, that our salvation is linked with one another. But Jesus drives that point home time and time and time again. And so it makes me wonder as we read this story, who we connect with. Do we see ourselves as the Pharisees or as the sinners? Probably both. Do we know ourselves to be found? What if we feel ourselves to be lost? In any case, Jesus is with us. He pursues us and draws us close. It's something to be discovered by love, to know God's love for you and to feel it deep within yourself, so much so that you see it reflected in others. You see God's love for others because you know God's love for you so deeply. I'm reminded of a hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. That's how it starts. And in our hymnal, the first phrase is how things are categorized. So that's how you can find the hymn in the hymnal. The first phrase says, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. I love this hymn, but mostly I love the last half of the last stanza. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Whether we are found or lost, we belong to, to Christ. And it is remembering that that we are able to communicate the same to all creation. That's why Jesus keeps telling these stories, pushing the boundaries, so that we might know the abundance of God and that that abundance extends even to us. Amen.